Welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. And today, I've got two-thirds of Foxborough Files podcast. That would be Zach Lacey and Mike Ayula. Boys, how we doing? Pumped up to be here. Let's do it. Great, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I'm pumped up because we are talking college football. No, no half-ass season, no, no Pac-12, Big Ten. We're only going to play six, seven games season. No, we're going the full shebang. We are back for 2021. So it is time we break it down. We talk college football. So we got to start off with the preseason poll. Alabama, no surprise here, despite literally losing all that talent that went to the NFL, still kicking number one by a decent margin. They're followed in the top five by Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia, all of which who received first place votes in the AP poll. Uh, So my initial thoughts here, uh, just looking at the top 25, I, I have a couple, but most notably, it's that the top five, maybe six, just seem to be a tier above the rest. Once you get past, I would say, five or six, if I'd say Texas A&M at six is kind of that cut, cut point where you can kind of group them in that first tier or not um, by personal preference. But once you get to Iowa State at seven, I think you start to drop off. So, Zach, let me get your th- thoughts first on the preseason poll. Um, initial thought is just interesting to see Cincinnati there, uh, in the top 10, you know, get a mid major up in there. Uh, it's pretty funny. You know, we got my Gators at 13, a uh, lot of, lot, a lot of sec in there. Um, should be interesting to see if anybody from the pac 12 can, uh, go undefeated and make a little run at the, at the top four this year. But yeah, it should be. I'd say Cincinnati's probably my most surprising teams uh, yeah. in the top. Yeah. I mean, there's not as many SEC teams as usual. Five? There was only five in the preseason poll, which feels kind of like a low number for the SEC. Um, but I digress. And then, yeah, Cincinnati, number eight. They're the first group of five team to be in the preseason top ten since Louisville, all the way back before they joined the ACC in 2012. Um so that'll be interesting to see if they can make a little bit of a run too. Mike, give me your first initial thoughts on the AP preseason poll. Uh, well, you know, looking at the poll, I kind of agree with you. I think I would, the only difference is I would cut it off at Georgia instead of AM. AM tends to usually be in that really good, but not quite elite tier. I think the top five are elite. Uh, my, my big issue with the top five is that Oklahoma is second above Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. Um, I, I think to be the number two team in the country, you should be capable of playing defense every game. And uh, Oklahoma hasn't shown they're capable of playing defense for a quarter at a time, let alone a game at a time, let alone a season at a time. Um, but they do have Heisman favorite Spencer Rattler. So, you know, I guess that bolsters them up. Uh, interesting, like Zach said, to see since he's so high. Iowa State being that high is interesting. I didn't realize they had gotten that good, but they do seem like they're on the come up. Notre Dame ranked ninth, once again, perennially overrated as they are every single year. Can't wait till they drop into the 20s where they belong. Um, you know, uh, what, what else? LSU at 16. 
interesting to see if they have a bounce back here. They kind of disappointed last year on the shortened season. Um, they got a big game coming up this weekend as we record on September 1st. Uh, they're traveling to the Rose Bowl to play uh, UCLA, who might be uh, a sneaky, decent team this year. I'll leave it at that. UCLA is always – they've always got the talent. It's just a question of whether or not they can play up to it. Um, you know, overall, other than that, uh, seeing uh, Louisiana Monroe in the uh, the top 25, they got Texas this weekend. That should be a fun game uh, if, if the Rage Cajuns can upset uh, Cool Zone host uh, Nick Brown's Longhorns in the first game. Not that it would be much of an upset. They're pretty much the same ranking. But, you know, uh, overall, it's cool to see some of these mid-majors in here. Um, some teams are rated higher than I expected. Some teams are as overrated as I would have expected them to be. But uh, at the top, kind of chalk. The rest of the way, pretty interesting. But, you know, it, it, it seems like they're using the past few years as the baseline to judge who's the best of the best and then, you know, who's the best of the rest. Yeah, I like that you brought up uh, Louisiana Lafayette because they're not even the only Sun Belt team. The Sun Belt has two teams in the top 25 to start this year, Louisiana Lafayette and Coastal Carolina. That kind of stuck out to me, and I looked it up. It's the first time ever that that conference has had uh, multiple teams in the preseason ranking. But then again, is, is that really a shock to anyone? Not really, uh, but I just had to confirm it. Um, the SEC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 lead the way, each with five teams. Kind of surprising that the Pac-12 has five teams uh, early on this season. But maybe one of them can make a, a sneaky run and uh, push for a college football playoff spot, like Zach was saying. Because uh, if history is any indication, you need pretty much an undefeated season from a Pac-12 team, maybe 12-1 and one to – make it to the college football playoff out of the Pac-12 because they've only gotten two teams in the seven-year history of the college football playoff. So not good. Um, my next question that I want to ask you guys is, so I think we're in agreement that the top five seemingly are in a class of their own, but who outside that top five do you guys think can challenge for a spot in the college football playoff come December in January? So, Mike, who do you who do you like outside the top five? Uh, this is tough, but if I'm going to be honest, um, the team with the most likely odds is probably North Carolina. They're going to get a shot to play Clemson uh, in the ACC title game if all goes according to plan. If they do that and they win the ACC and they win enough regular season games, uh, they're behind one of the strongest QBs in the country and Sam Howell. Um, you know, they, they do have a fairly favorable schedule and they play in a Power Five conference. All that plays into their favor, and if they do what they're capable of doing and uh, they take advantage of an opportunity against Clemson late in the season, um, you know, you're, you're going to see them You're going to see them in the discussion for that playoff spot. They're ranked uh, 10th right now in the country, um, so it's not like a huge outsider thing, but, you know, it, you got to be reasonable with this, and I think that, that when push comes to shove, they will have the best opportunity – uh, out of any team outside of that top five to possibly make the playoff. Zach, who's your kind of outside of the top five uh, challenger to the throne? Uh, I mean, it's going to be, it, it's going to be a team that uh, Mike's Tar Heels are going to play. Uh, and that's Miami. Um, they could, it could sink 
right at week one, but when they play Alabama. But if they somehow pull off a miracle, even though they're like 20 point underdogs and beat Alabama and then beat North Carolina and go into uh, the title game against Clemson undefeated, uh, they would have as good of a resume as anybody, even if they lose that game to get into the top four. So I, I like Miami a lot. I I don't know if they can beat Alabama, but if they do, then that's my team. So my team is kind of a cop-out, and I kind of already brought them up because they're right on that cut line. It's Texas A&M at six, and it's actually for similar reasons to Zach. They get Alabama at home in October. Before that, they really don't have anyone that should be able to trip them up. So they should walk into that game undefeated. If they can win that game, which is an uphill battle for sure, because not only has Nick Saban had Texas A&M's number for the most part, he's had all of his protege's number. He has never lost to a, a former assistant of his. Jimbo Fisher counts among that rank. But all good streaks come to an end. So if Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher can pull off the upset at home over Bama, they should be able to cruise to the season finale at LSU undefeated. And at that point, they, they may not even have to win that game. They just would have to win the SEC championship to get in to the dance. So for that reason, I really think it's Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah. A&M, no, I, no I, question I, there. Yeah, I, I think the, the common denominator here is you got to have a road to beat one of those top five teams and show that you can handle them. You know, Zach talked about, you know, beating Bama. You talked about beating Bama. I talked about beating Clemson. Notice we didn't talk about, you know, teams like Cincinnati who play in the mid-major conference or, you know, even Iowa State who gets Oklahoma because Oklahoma is just such a question mark playing in the Big 12 or, you know, say, I don't know, a team that's independent and refuses to have a conference every year because they're just stubborn and get billions of dollars, even though they shouldn't have their own channel like Notre Dame. But I digress. I'm sorry. I just hate Notre Dame. Um, I, I think the, the general idea is you got to beat one of those big name teams. I wanted to, I actually was thinking about Cincinnati for my sort of outside the top five challenger, because I mean, they should be able to run through their conference slate. No, no issues. Maybe UCF gives them a, a tough task or Navy, but their two ranked games non-conference are at Indiana, who's ranked 17 and at Notre Dame. I'm not even sure if they can win both of those games, but even if they do, I'm not even sure if an undefeated Cincinnati uh, will be able to really have much of a claim, even if they do have those both those wins, those ranked wins to their ledger. I don't think I'm not sure if it'll be enough. And to your point, um, going back to Clemson, uh, I mean, you look at them, if they lose to Georgia in this opening week kickoff game, there's not a lot of opportunities left for them to pick up ranked wins. The ACC is kind of barren this year. They, they, they would not get another crack at a ranked team until presumptively North Carolina at the end, I believe. Yeah. Um, so this bit, this game against Georgia is actually huge for Clemson because if they stumble, they, they really don't have much of a, and they don't have any room for error the rest of the season. And it, even winning out might not be enough for them. 
yeah, it's it's definitely a bigger game for for Clemson than it is for Georgia. Georgia can take this loss and then, you know, let's say they run the table the rest of the way and win the SEC title game. They're they're making the playoff. They, they'll they'll chalk it up as an early season loss to a great Clemson team. And if if they're able to do everything else and even beat them at the end, they're going to be like, well, yeah, you finally did it. You're going to get in. Uh, they won't get in as the one, obviously, but. You know, you look at Clemson, the ACC is it's kind of dog water. You know, North Carolina, the second best team. But, you know, other than that, who, who do we got? We got Miami in there at 14, but they're probably not going to do too much. Uh, ah. And it doesn't – so, sorry. I, they, they got them a week one and they're 24 underdogs is the 14 seed. I don't got much faith. Um, and other than that, there's no ACC teams even in the rankings. I saw today Boston College was, like, projected to finish second in the Atlantic by someone. And – I think it was ESPN actually who had BC finishing second. So, you know, that kind of goes to show where the ACC is at. Uh, I think they sleep on BC a little bit, but I digress. I think they're I mean, a good I'll team. always sleep on BC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I'm since, since the Matt Ryan days, they haven't done much. So I'm in a borderline coma on Boston college, but um, you know, I, I mean, it's like you said, you know, Clemson really needs this win, uh, especially for resume purposes. If they don't get it, uh, they're kind of screwed. Well, I can tell you who's going to be rooting hard for Georgia is Cincinnati and Coastal and all those mid-majors. They need a, a one-loss Clemson team or, or two-loss uh, other Power Five conference champions to maybe sniff the top four. Uh, I, if, you have Cle- if you have Clemson just rolling through and these other teams rolling through, then they're not going to have a chance. I disagree. I think they need the big three of Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson to go undefeated. Because if they do that, that means that Georgia's going to take two losses. Um, and if Oklahoma can somehow stumble along the way, lose a regular season game or two and lose the Big 12 title game, two loss Oklahoma and two loss Georgia, probably not making the playoff. Texas A&M probably not making the playoff there. That leaves Iowa State, who they'd also have to hope loses. They need parity in the Big 12 and the Big 3 to go undefeated. And then the road for an undefeated Cincinnati becomes pretty clear cut. Committee won't have a choice, but to finally give a mid-major school a chance. So I, I think that they would want a team like Clemson to run the table and for maybe a couple of the other dominoes up top to fall. I'm not sure yeah, if it I, matters who does. Go ahead, Zach. No, I... I was going to say pretty much, uh, yeah, it doesn't, I don't think it matters as much uh, that way, just having that one spot open rather than having a bunch of spots possibly be open. Um, parity across the whole, the whole landscape, I think, is better for them than just vying for one spot when you're comparing resumes between what they've done against nobodies to somebody who even has two losses. Maybe they beat a bunch of good SEC teams or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess, I guess my thought process just was if, if the committee sees parity at the top, they're going to try to include all the teams that are included in that parity. Instead of if it sees three undefeated teams, they're going to want to, for marketing purposes, put in a fourth undefeated team as opposed to a multi-loss team like a multi-loss Georgia or a multi-loss Oklahoma. They'd rather have the marketability of, for the first time in CFP history, we have four undefeated teams in the college football playoff as opposed to all right, we got a bunch of one loss and two loss teams playing in it. Then, then that might bite Cincinnati in, in the ass because they can justify putting in multiple SEC teams if they both have one loss under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. 
Now, while, we've, while we're on the talk of ACC teams, let's do a quick preview of the conference. Um, let's start with a player to watch. Uh, for me, I think it's got to be the here to the quarterback thrown at Clemson, and that's DJ. Let's see if I can pronounce this right. O-E-Angalele? Ukulele. I, I don't. I DJ try. Ukulele. All right. We'll go with that. Uh, but he looked very good in his two spot starts last year for Trevor Lawrence when he was out due to COVID. Um, and I think that he is in store for another big season, and or a big season, rather. And if he is able to do that, Clemson should be able to run the table. But this obviously that week one game against Georgia is going to set the table for the course of their season. But I, I think he's got to be the guy to watch in the ACC. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go back to my team at Miami and Derek King, uh, sixth year senior, <laughs> transferred in last year uh, from Houston. He's going to be the key to that Miami team. And if they want any shot of going anywhere this season, it's going to fall on his shoulders. So I think he's definitely a guy to watch at least week one. And after they lose, then you can go over and watch DJ Ukulele uh, do his thing. Mike? Well, I'm going to go with the quarterback for the other ACC ranked team. Uh, you know, kind of sticking with the theme here. Sam Howell for North Carolina, uh, one of the early Heisman favorites uh, coming off a big year last year. Really raised his draft stonks. Uh, he, he should expect to have a big season, although they lost a lot of weapons in the draft last year. Both are starting running backs now in the NFL. Um, but he's the key to their success. You know, it's it's kind of the Sam Howell showdown there. They haven't had a quarterback of this quality in not in our lifetime, I don't think. So, and you guys have been around a little bit longer than me. And I, I don't think they had anybody in the mid-90s who was even this good at North Carolina playing playing football. So, if he plays up to expectations – they're going to make some noise. They're not going to be an easy out. They probably won't win every game, but they're certainly going to be quality, and they could give Clemson a run for their money. So let's talk dark horses in the ACC. I don't think any there's really any team outside of North Carolina or Miami that has a reasonable shot at uh, taking down and dethroning Clemson. But if I had to pick one, I already mentioned it, BC. Last year, they were 6-1 and one versus unranked teams, but they were winless against ranked teams. So clearly, that would have to change. But if you look at their schedule this year, all but one of their games are currently set to be against unranked teams. So obviously, the only game that they would play against a ranked team would be Clemson. So I'm not saying that they're going to run the table against those unranked opponents or that all those teams that are currently unranked will stay unranked but if you follow the logic you know new head coach in town for bc and they've got some some playmakers to to mess around with may they might push for eight or nine wins they they could they could finish the season with 10 wins if they were to win a bowl game just saying uh mike who's your dark horse gonna be I'm going to go with a bit of a bold take here. I'm going to, you know, like you said, uh, I really think it just comes down to the big three teams. Um, if we're going outside that to the unranked core, I'm going to go with Florida State. Uh, biggest reason being they start the season uh, with a Sunday night game against ninth-ranked Notre Dame. Uh, you know, you mess around in 
win your first game against a preseason top 10 team, that tends to, to draw some headlines. They have a big opportunity early in the year to set the tempo, to get the attention of the uh, college of the college football committee. Uh, they haven't been good in a long time, really, since the Jabu era. Uh, but, you know, they, they have a real opportunity being handed to them uh, by, by, by getting that early season big-time matchup. And with the butter schedule of the ACC, you know, they, they can make some noise. They, they could be a team that messes around and gets into the 20s and then eventually finds themselves possibly fighting for a late-year New Year's Six Bowl if they do well enough. Who knows? Zach? Yeah, I mean, bit of a homer pick, but I'm going to follow along with what Ryan Ryan said in BC, um, mostly because I don't think anybody else in that conference is any good at all. And BC's not is going to just hopefully beat up on all those crappy teams in the ACC, uh, get dominated by Clemson, and then uh, <laughs> that'll be that. But, outs- yeah, I mean, outside of the top three, I, uh, this is not really – I don't know if there's much to talk about outside of those guys. Yeah, so uh, I think we can skip the formality of uh, conference championship predictions. I'm pretty sure we're going to be Clemson around uh, unanimously with uh, me and Mike having North Carolina in the game and Zach having Miami in the game. Yep. Yep. So that's we'll call that a wrap there. Let's move on to the Big 12. Obviously, as we mentioned, the Big 12 is – potentially on its last legs as Texas and Oklahoma have been accepted to the SEC to form the ultimate super league and or super conference. And so the big 12's days seem to be numbered unless they add a bunch of schools to fill in the void. Um, But for now, Texas and Oklahoma are still in the big 12. Um, Oklahoma will be looking to win the conference yet again. Uh, Zach, who's your player to watch in the Big 12? Oh, uh, thank you for letting me go first. I get the easy one. Uh, Spencer (laughs) Adler. (laughs) I mean, this dude is disgusting. He should go out, dominate this year, bring home a Heisman and a lot of other hardware. Uh, He's just just nutty, and he should go absolutely – wild in this conference this year uh there's nobody else that's going to touch them and spencer rattler's just he's just too damn good for the rest of this league yeah oklahoma's if you look at like the last like four or five quarterbacks for oklahoma it's disgusting it's (laughs) it's just absolutely absurd mike who's your player to watch in the big 12 well, first off, I want to say thanks for letting Zach go first and giving him the uh, the layup <laughs> question of the day. You know, hey, who's your player to watch? Oh, the Heisman favorite? Sure, yeah. Um, so now I got to come up with somebody else. But uh, you know what? I'll go with Bijan Robinson from Texas, the running back, seven hundred rushing yards last year, um, only four TDs. But you know, he college football has always been kind of centered around the run game, and he should get more opportunities this year. And if they're going to have any success, they're going to have to run their offense through him. So. Don't be surprised if he rushes for over 1,500 yards this year. I think that's definitely in store for him. Well, thanks for taking my player, Mike. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I can, I'll can. i just expand upon what you said. I mean, he was used sparingly last year, uh, which was kind of shocking because in his 86 carries, 
he averaged 8.2 yards per carry, which was good for a school record. Texas. So, I mean, if they if they let him off the loot off the chains, let him loose. Oh, I mean, he could be cooking in that 1500 yard sort of bar threshold. He could he could clear that. Like that that is definitely something. Like if they go go crazy with him. He could do that, and he he ran for 750 yards in the last what was it, cup two or three games for Texas. It was crazy, like he was just running wild. Um, and for that reason, I'm actually gonna say Texas is the dark horse. I know they're a ranked team, but they're in the the 20s, and it doesn't feel like anyone's really gonna challenge Oklahoma much at all. But if there is anyone that can do it, I don't think it's Iowa State. I think it's Texas just because of the firepower on offense. They're going to have to figure it out on defense because obviously the Big 12 doesn't know what defense is. Um, but with Steve Sarkeesian now running the show, I think he can cook up something to make that game competitive and give the Sooners a run for their money. Mike, Dark Horse, what you got here? Well, I think everybody's kind of expecting Oklahoma um, to win this conference, so... You know, I'm going to go with an even bigger cop-up than you because they're not even in the 20s. They're in the top 10. I'm going with Iowa State. Uh, you know, it's they're not so much a dark horse, but it's kind of weird to think of anybody other than Oklahoma winning that conference. And to see a team like Iowa State that has been so irrelevant in college football for so long, ranked so highly means they've got some serious talent on that roster. And, you know, if they can figure it out on the defensive side of the ball, all they really got to do is win that that Oklahoma game to start making some noise and, uh, you know, run train on the rest of the league. And next thing you know, you got a Big 12 champion in Iowa State. That'd be kind of a kind of a wild sight to behold. The uh, the Hawkeyes fans over in the big would hate to see it. You know, it's, it's kind of why I'm uh, picking them as my dark horse. I kind of want that to happen. Well, they would have to beat Oklahoma at least once, if not twice. Uh pending the uh, rematch in the conference championship. But uh, Zach, who, who's your dark horse going to be? You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Texas. Um, if you get B. John Robinson running, running well, I know they got to go to Iowa state late in the year. Uh, they get Oklahoma at home. Uh, if you can just rattle off at least that Iowa state win and try to, Get, just get the ball rolling in Bijan's hands. You got a chance. Uh, they got a good offense. Uh, defense is always just going to be the suspect part for Texas, as it is at much of that conference. Um, so Texas, I think they got a chance. Not a very good chance, but they got a chance. <laughs> and uh, just like the ACC, I do think we're going to be Oklahoma as Big 12 champion across the board here. Does anyone, who do we think that the Sooners will play and beat in the Big 12 championship? Uh, Zach, go ahead. Ah, uh, boy. Nah, give me Iowa State. Why not? Okay. Mike? Yeah, Iowa State. I've, I've got Texas. I think Texas will, will squeak out that win over Iowa State and get them into the championship game, but they'll lose to Oklahoma for the second time. Um, and Oklahoma will run the table in the Big 12. So let's move on to uh, the big, as Mike alluded to, the Big 10. Ohio, Ohio State 
was the reigning conference champion last year. They'll be looking to make it back to the college football playoff. Uh, let's start with players to watch in the Big Ten. Uh, Mike, get us going on this one. Thank you for giving me the easy one here. That that is that is greatly appreciated. Um, you know, there's actually a couple uh, that I could go with, but we've kind of been we've kind of been going with the quarterbacks, and probably the most notable change this offseason was that C.J. Stroud, Ohio State starting quarterback, reclassified to this year. He wasn't supposed to be coming in until next year, but because of the NIL rules, he decided he wanted to make that money. He signed a $1.4 million NIL deal over the next three years for autograph money, and he's going to be starting tomorrow night in their season opener. Uh, how he feel, How he fills the shoes of the departed Justin Fields is now with the Chicago Bears will be something to watch, but he plays in a loaded offense with a great offensive mind and Ryan Day as head coach. Uh, Ohio State perennially has a, a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, you know, they need a good quarterback to run their system, and he, as a five-star, has all the talent to take over. My player to watch is a quarterback, but it's not the quarterback you're probably thinking. It's Graham Mertz, the sophomore quarterback for the Wisconsin Badgers. Cue, the, uh, cue that Snoop Dogg um, little thing where he goes, who? Well, let me, let me tell you, Mike. Give me, give me a second. So last year, he played pretty poorly in Wisconsin's three losses. He played very well in their four wins. So if the Badgers are going to compete in their division and fight for a Big Ten title, they're going to need this Mertz guy to step up big time. And if he's playing well, because we know they're going to run the ball well. Wisconsin has always ran the ball well. The problem has always been quarterback. Can they, are they, can they throw? Can they make throws when they need them? Third down conversions, third and longs. And quarterbacks of late for them haven't been able to get that job done, especially in big games. If he can step his game up, and he can be dependable, help stay healthy, and, you, and there's no COVID issues or whatever, I think Graham Mertz in Wisconsin could be in store for a big season. Yeah. Uh, then for me, it's uh, Penn State running back uh, Noah Kane. Came in 2019 as a freshman, scored eight touchdowns, averaged 5.3 yards a carry. Uh, got hurt in the opener last year. Now he's all healthy ready to go, should have a huge season for Penn State. They should be running the ball a lot and leaning on him uh, a stupid amount. So watch out for Noah Kane. That big uh, the big matchup uh, coming up this weekend between Penn State and Wisconsin is really going to set the table of like who's going to really be a challenger to Ohio State in this league. So I, I can't wait for that. But let's talk about dark horses in the Big Ten. Uh, Zach, do you have a dark horse in the Big Ten this year? I mean, dark horse has got to it's got to be Penn State, um, but they got to obviously they got a tough road. Got to beat Wisconsin and Ohio State just to win the East. There, that's going to be a tough, a tall task. But if they can get that running game going with Kane, uh, that's really their best bet to keep Ohio State off. The, in Wisconsin off the field as much as they can by running the ball. And they can do that. And you get a shot as long as the other teams are on the field. 
Mike, what about you? I'm going to go with uh, Northwestern. You know, Pat Fitzgerald's one of the better coaches in the country. Uh, he he kind of got them going these past couple of years. I think they played in the uh, the Big Ten championship game. Was it last year in the shortened season or was it two years ago? Uh, I think it was actually last year. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they were there just last season. So, you know, they, they've got to be, you know, I don't know how much talent they lost. I don't follow Northwestern football super closely. Um, but, you know, when you have a year like that, it tends to get people's attention, makes people want to go there. So even if they lost talent, they probably had some pretty good guys coming back. They did get some uh, preseason poll votes um, by the committee. And uh, like I said, they're one of the better coach teams in the country. So if there's a lower-end team that could make some noise, they're probably it. So just like Zach's Dark Horse is the same team that his player to watch is on, so is mine. My Dark Horse is Wisconsin. And again, they are ranked 12th in the country, so it's not really the true essence of a dark horse, but I'm almost saying this in the vein of they could be a sneaky college football playoff contender if the chips fall at, in the right way. Their schedule works out very favorable for them this year. All of their big games, Penn State is at home. Notre Dame is at home. Michigan is at home. Iowa is at home. Northwestern's at home. All of their tough games in the regular season – they get in the comforts of home and they're not so not so tough games are all on the road. So if they're able to win a bunch of those tough games, especially against the ranked teams at home and take care of business on the road against the weaker competition, uh, they could, they could be playing for a potential college football playoff spot uh, in the big 10 title game. If they are fortunate enough to get there. Um, and so speaking of the Big Ten championship game, uh, let's get into that. I've got Wisconsin facing Ohio State in the conference championship, but I think the Badgers will ultimately fall short. I think Ohio State just has too much talent across the board, too much speed, too much athleticism. Um, I know they're breaking in a new quarterback, but I think it's par for the course for the Buckeyes in the Big Ten. What do you guys think? Yeah, I got the – Exact same thing as you. Uh, Ohio State's just too talented. And I don't think, I think Wisconsin squeaks out of the other side, but it, I think Ohio State's just, it's too much Ohio State for them to handle. Yeah, I, I hate to be chalk, but um, that's kind of the nature of college football these days. The, the big teams have tended to separate themselves in recruiting and playing, and Ohio State's one of those teams. It, when, when they get going, they're basically unbeatable by anyone except one of the other really big teams. So, um, you know, I got OSU and CJ Stroud. Now, obviously, I would be remiss if I didn't bring out the Hawk Hawk Hawks for Iowa, but I'm just looking at their schedule and Indiana right off the bat, ranked 17 at Iowa State, ranked seven. That's your first two games. There is no kicking off the rust, getting the groove. You've got to, they've got to have it. They have to play Penn state at home, go to Wisconsin, go to Northwestern, and then potentially Ohio state in a big 10 title game. If they were even lucky enough to survive that, I just, I don't like their chances this year, to be honest. I think they will be like an eight and four, nine and three team, but I'm not sure if that'll be good enough to make it to the big 10 title game. So let's move on to the PAC 12. As we said, the Pac-12 has not had much fortune in sending its champions to 
the college football playoff, but maybe this year will be different. Uh, they'll need somebody to run the table or at least be a one-loss conference champion to, I think, get into that discussion. Um, but that being said, Zach, who's your player to watch in this conference? Uh, it's Keaton Slovis from USC. Uh, big arm quarterback out there. They get USC as a pretty favorable schedule. Uh, he's a dark horse to go out and win the uh, the Heisman should Spencer Rattler and some of these other top guys uh, falter a little bit. Uh, I like Slovis a lot, and he should have a big year this year. So my player to watch is going to be Kayvon Thibodeau. He's the defensive end, edge rusher for the Oregon Ducks. Last year in the watered-down season, he only had three sacks in seven games. But in the 2019, the previous year, he had nine sacks in 13 games, including two and a half in the Pac-12 championship game. So I'm looking to see if he can have a bounce-back season and potentially get himself into the conference defensive player of the year running and maybe put his name on the map in terms of the draft. Damn, you guys took the two easy ones. That's That, that really <laughs> stinks. I don't really know that many Pac-12 players. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm just being honest. There. T- T- Thibodeau is like the best player in college football, and Slovis is pretty notable. Um, did a little research, though. I'm going to go with Charlie Brewer. He's the quarterback for Utah. He's the only senior QB on the roster. The rest of them are all freshmen. So, And he did start for them last year, so you have to assume he's going to be starting again. Didn't have the best year for them last year, but Utah is the 24th-ranked team in the country. They tend to play up on the defensive side of the ball, and if they're going to make noise, they need Brewer to play better than he did last year. I think he had a 14-8 touchdown and interception ratio. Um, not a ton of passing yards. You know, this is a real opportunity for him to, to step up and show what he brings to the table. And well, obviously to even get into that kind of discussion for winning the conference, let alone um, making a New Year's Six Bowl. But uh, for them to have success, he kind of has to be the guy. Yeah, he's, he's a grad transfer from Baylor. I mean, he looked his numbers, if you look at last season for Baylor, not all that impressive. I mean, you already glossed over it. The rough edges, 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions, not all that impressive. But again, he was stuck playing for Baylor, which is one of the worst. One of the not-so-great teams of that conference didn't have a lot of help. Um, but now he's coming over to the Utah team. They're a, a much better team across the board. Uh, and if he is able to play well, then yeah, I would tend to agree. He could have Utah kind of in that conference title game uh, scenario could be in that consideration for sure. But let's talk dark horses. So Mike, do you have a dark horse here in the Pac-12? Well, I'm going to take a uh, page out of your guys' playbook. I'm going to go with the the team my player watches on, Utah. Uh, in the past, they've they've shown that on the defensive side of the ball, they can thrive. They put they put a lot of guys in the NFL in recent years um, from their defense, which which says a lot because college football, outside of you know a couple of teams like Alabama and maybe Ohio State, they aren't really known for. There aren't really a ton of schools known for producing defensive players. Utah has put a couple of guys in there. I think they had a, a second round pick at corner go to Chicago a couple of years ago. So you know maybe if they can get back to that kind of identity, showing that physicality. 
uh, guys who can fly to the ball in the secondary. They have a relatively young set of corners. Um, but if the front seven can get after the QB, they can fly around in the secondary, you know, take pressure off of Brewer. Uh, they, they're a team to watch if, if they can get back to what they did well. My dark horse is going to be UCLA. I kind of alluded to it earlier. (laughs) You had to know I was going to jump in and make sure I got that. I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. They're loaded with senior guys across the board as well as talent. It's Chip Kelly's fourth year in UCLA. It's it's more or less put up or shut up time for him in uh, Los Angeles. And the way they looked against Hawaii – Winning forty-four to ten, I know it's it's Hawaii, but the fact that they went out there and handled business and soundly, and they didn't struggle, they came out and jumped out to a big lead and cruised. That makes me think that they might be onto something there this year. The real test is, as we said, is going to be this upcoming week against LSU. But if they can if they can steal that one and upset the Tigers at home, then look out for UCLA. Yeah, well, Ryan uh, got in there and snatched mine, but that's all right. We'll go. We'll go with Washington, uh, a second best team to Oregon in that that side of the conference, and they get to play Oregon at home this year. So that that could be the deciding factor in that game. And if they can get that win and beat Oregon, they can move on to the Pac uh, twelve championship game and make a little noise in the the top four, maybe. Uh, undefeated Washington would def would most likely get in. So yeah, we've seen all you it. Do is beat Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach, you can lead us off with your championship game prediction. This one might not be as obvious as some of the other uh, conference championship predictions. So I'll let you get started on this one. Oh, so kind. Uh, as I just said, you know, dark horse. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Oregon <laughs> is just better than Washington. Uh, they should move on. And then SC has a pretty uh, easy schedule. They get five of their nine guys, nine conference games at home. All the big ones, they get to miss Oregon and Washington on the other side. I got Oregon, USC in the title game with USC taking it down. Okay. Okay. What about you, Mike? Well, you know, I'm going to put my dark horse in there too. I'm going to put Utah in there, but I don't think they're going to beat Oregon. Um, like I was saying earlier, Thibodeau is the best player in college football this year. If it wasn't for the importance of the quarterback position, uh, Thibodeau would probably be the number one overall pick in the draft next year. Uh, he's just that good at getting off the edge, and the team around him looks pretty good. If it didn't, they wouldn't be ranked where they're ranked 11 in the country. And, you know, not to be chalk again, but they're the preseason favorite, and I'm going to ride with them. So I got Oregon over Utah. Yeah, I'm – Actually going to have to copy you on this one, Mike. I got Oregon and Utah in the championship game here in the Pac-12, and I've got the Ducks taking the conference title over the Utes. Uh, I'm not sure it where Oregon will be at this point in the season. Like, I'm not sure if, if they're going to be undefeated, one loss or two loss, whatever. Um, but I what I will say about the Pac-12 is those five teams that we talked about that are all in the rankings – whether it's Oregon, USC, Washington, Arizona State, Utah, I think any one of them is capable of getting hot and making a run in the league. I just don't, couldn't really tell you which one is going to be it. But if I had to bank on any one of them, I'd have to bank on Oregon. 
And that kind of leaves us with the SEC. So we get into our our favorite conference here, uh, as at least majority wise. Uh, Zach, you can get us going with the player to watch here. Uh, we're, we're talking Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M as the top three teams in the league coming into the, into the season. Alabama is obviously coming off the national championship. They're going to be restocked and reloaded uh, as Nick Saban always has them. But who's a player that you're looking to watch for in the SEC this year? Uh, the guy that's going to might that's going to be the biggest factor in the conference is going to be JT Daniels, uh, Georgia quarterback. If <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you guys can't see this because the podcast is on the audio, but Ryan is staring up at the ceiling with a bro face right now because Zach just completely cuffed him. Uh, if he can play. <laughs> Turn about his fair play. Turn about his fair play. Continue. He can play up to his standards, and they can go beat Clemson week one and then take down Alabama in the SEC championship game. We might be looking at an, at a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, he's not the flashiest guy, but he gets it done. And, he, and with that amazing offense that they have in Georgia, he should have a big, big year statistically. And watch out for JT Daniels. Mike, I'll give you an opportunity to steal my backup. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm going to steal your backup because he's not from one of the big three teams that you mentioned. So I don't know if I'm going to be stealing your backup or not. It's Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, from LSU, uh, the cornerback. He's been highly regarded for a couple of years now, kind of been a protege of the position, everything you want in a player. And I read a couple of years ago, Coach O was saying that um, first two years he was going to play exclusively corner, but in his third year, which is this year, they were going to let him play some wide receiver. So for the first time in a long time, we may get to see a true two-way player in college football. Singley's quite the athlete. He's involved in the return game. He's elite in man-to-man coverage. He he did get burned a couple times by uh, my guy, Devontae Smith. But then again, so did just about anyone in college who tried to cover him in the past two years. Uh, that guy was just a freak. So, you know, he, he's got high expectations coming into the year. It'll be interesting to see if Coach is a man of his word and and allow Singley to play on offense, that'd be something kind of cool to see. But uh, I, I think he's just a fascinating player, a great athlete, and it overall should be, you know, he should bring plenty of excitement to the games that they play in. Yeah, so, Mike, the joke's on you. I didn't have a backup player, so you couldn't steal it anyways. Uh, JT Daniels <laughs> is my player to watch. Don't care if it got taken. He's the junior quarterback from Georgia. Like Zach said, he looked really good last year in those four games where he came in once he's got the gig. And if he can raise his game to the next level and you've got that Georgia defense as well as the firepower, I know their tight end, uh, their starting tight end is hurt for the beginning of the year. Um, so he's, they're not going to have him right out the way, but if they can get him back for the stretch run, uh, that could be a team that not only is looking at a conference championship, but is, obviously pursuing national championship glory. Um, so let's get into our dark horses. Uh, I'm going to go first so that I don't get cucked. Uh, LSU is going to be my dark horse. Uh, they could find their way into the conference title discussion, even though they're only like the third or fourth best team in their own conference division. Uh, but they have to get off to a hot start. That means fending off 
a pesky UCLA team this weekend. And then that means they're going to have to win their first big matchup, which is uh, at home against Zach's Florida Gators. If they can get through that, maybe they can find themselves in the discussion with Alabama and Texas A&M for making it to Atlanta in the SEC championship game. But if they, if they slip up early or they get pummeled by Florida uh, at home, uh, that's not going to be a good look for them, and I don't know if they're going to be able to bounce back. Zach, who's your dark horse going to be in the SEC this year? Oh, it's the Gators, baby. <laughs> you already know. Emory Jones, look, he's not, he's not Kyle Trask. Nobody's asking to be Kyle Trask, but he's a good player in his own right. They got some holes, but Mullen's going to get him coached up. People, A lot of people got to come to the Swamp this year. Bama and Georgia both coming to the Swamp. I like Florida a lot, obviously, and they get these big games at home and the cupcakes are on the road other than LSU. So Florida, Emory Jones has a big year and they make it to the SEC championship. Dark horse. Ooh, okay. Okay. Mike? I'm glad you're letting me go last on this one. Um, my dark horse is not one team. Uh, it's an act of God. Um, in the past seven years, Alabama has played in the SEC championship in five of them, and they've won every time they've gotten there. The two times they didn't get there were four years ago when Georgia beat Auburn, and then Alabama still made the playoff and won the national title anyways. And two years ago when LSU steamrolled over Georgia and won the whole thing because they had an entire NFL team on their offense. That's what it takes to beat Alabama these days. LSU, I'm not even joking. Joe Burrow, Bengals. Jamar Chase, Bengals. Justin Jefferson, Vikings. Dad Moss was in. It was a UDFA by the football team last year. Terrace Marshall's now with the Panthers. Clyde's with the Chiefs. And they had, like, the best offensive line in college football that year. They quite literally had an NFL offense. It took that to beat Alabama. Um, so unless some team turns into an NFL team, like – unless Georgia shows out this year and they all of a sudden have just a ridiculous amount of NFL players on their offense or, you know, LSU turns it around and turns into some powerhouse like they were a couple of years ago out of the blue or Emory Jones is somehow better than Kyle Trask and turns into, you know, a god QB for them. That That's what it's going to take. It's going to take one of these teams doing something that we just don't see out of nowhere um, to, to come out and, dethrone Alabama. There's no one team on paper that has the ability to do that, but LSU didn't have the ability to do that two years ago. It's just going to take some some miracle team. Otherwise, nobody's beating Bama. Interesting dark horse pick, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, let's go into our SEC championship game predictions. Mike, you can get us started on this one. Who do you got in the title game in the SEC, and who's got the crown? Well, this is going to come as a complete shock to you, given my uh, speech just there. But I'm going to pick Alabama to go there, and I'm going to pick Alabama to win. It, it, it doesn't really matter who they play. Um, I think it's going to be Georgia. They're just better than everybody else. They are, like, every single year at this point. It's, it's almost getting boring, but it, it, they just have multiple NFL players on both sides of the ball. They, do, you know, they recruit and develop these guys well. Bryce Young looks like another stud for them at QB. John Mechie, you know, he really came into his own last year with some of the injuries, and he looks like a high-quality wide receiver one. 
They tend to churn out running backs like it's nobody's business. They tend to churn out a lineman like it's nobody's business. And that's just on the offensive side of the ball. Saban's a defensive head coach. You know he's got some answers over there. You know, Georgia's a nice story and everything, but they're a nice story every year. They they haven't been able to beat Bama in the past, and they're not going to be able to do it this year. All right. Rolling with the tide. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Mike, you just took it all. Alabama is just just better than everybody else. I'm going to pick Florida to lose to them uh, just because, you know, it's fun. But <laughs> Alabama – head and shoulders above everyone else. There's we talked about a top top six earlier. There's a top one and then there's like five other guys. So uh, like Mike's active God, unless one of those five gets an active God, it, Alabama's Alabama's rolling. Well, I think there will be an active God and it will occur on October the 9th at what is it? Kyle field in College Station, Texas, when Texas A&M upsets Alabama and then they roll the table the regular season. And I think you're going to get Georgia and Texas A&M in the conference championship. Alabama's one loss is going to be by like a field goal or a touchdown on the road to Texas A&M, and it's going to keep them out of the title game. Even if Texas A&M slips up to like LSU, like Texas A&M will, I don't know how the tiebreaker would work, even if it comes down to it. But I think Texas A&M will find itself in the conference championship game against Georgia. But I like Georgia to take the SEC championship this year. Wow. They just got in title of this podcast, Bama Sucks. No, uh, just get people just get people riled up. <laughs> Host <laughs> predicts Bama collapse. <laughs> that'll that'll get the people riled up but uh i think without further ado it is time for us to finally unveil our college football playoff predictions our top four and we're also going to include our first two teams out so who will be ranked five and six when all is said and done so let's let's give out our our top six before we kind of go into the actual playoff predictions uh, uh, I'll go first. You know what? I'll, I'll go first. I'll let Bring you guys on. do it. My first two teams out. And this is going to surprise you guys. It's going to be Clemson and Alabama are going to be five and six. And we're going to, wow. the college football playoff is going to get a breath of fresh air. So my top four will be Georgia. They'll be sitting at 13 and zero having run the gauntlet and won the SEC championship. Oklahoma, 13-0 at two, the Big 12 champions. Ohio State, three, Big 10 champions, presumably undefeated. And then I think Texas A&M will be two going into the SEC championship game, and they will slide to four and still make it despite at 12-1 and one, or 12 and one, despite not winning the conference championship game. So Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio state, Texas, A&M will be my top four with Clemson and Bama at five and six, because I have Georgia beating Clemson. And I don't think a one loss Clemson with that schedule is going to have enough on their resume to get in over a one loss 
at Texas A&M team that pretty much ran table and beat Bama. So, Mike, who is your top six? All right, so I'll do a similar format to you. I'll go first two out. Yeah, first two out. One of them is going to be Oregon. They're going to be one lost team, but the Pac-12 has the anti-committee bias against them, so they're not going to get in. The other one's going to be Cincinnati. Um, I think they're really good. I think they're going to run the table this year. But given the predictions I made being as chalk as they were, I don't see a way they get in with them being that chalk. And as much as I would love to see a mid-major team get the opportunity to, to go at the big guns, I think we're still a year or two away from that happening. I think they will probably get one of the the big New Year's six bowls again, but they're just going to miss out. So my one through four, one is going to be Bama. They're going to run the table. They're better than everybody else. They're going to show it again, and they're going to earn that one seed. The two seed at year's end will be Clemson. They will have also run the table, um, led by DJ Ukulele, and the committee tends to be biased towards them, so they're going to get that two spot. Three will be Oklahoma. I think they will also be undefeated, um, but they're going to have a couple scares, and their defense is going to show leaks, so I think that they're going to push them down one spot from where they are right now. And fourth will be Ohio State. I think Ohio State will take a loss this year. I don't know who that's going to be, too. Um, they're still going to win the Big Ten. I don't. I just don't think it's going to look as clean as it looked last year. They obviously have a stud in Olave, but Stroud came in late to camp. Uh, I think they're going to have a few bumps in the road this year. I don't think it's going to be as smooth sailing as it has been in the years past, but they're still the most talented team in that conference and one of the four most talented teams in the country. And they should have no problem getting in. So, like I said, one Bama, two Clemson, three Oklahoma, four Ohio State. That leaves us with Zach's predictions. What do you got? One through six. Okay. You're right. Okay. At (laughs) six, (laughs) give me – at six, give me Coastal Carolina. I could see Cincinnati falling – faltering in uh, the the mid-major at six. You know, love that. Uh, at five, we're going to have Ohio State just missing out. Uh, then Bama's one, Clemson's two, Oklahoma's three, and USC undefeated Pac-12 champion at four. Wow. Ooh, that That's spicy. That's that spicy. spicy. Okay. I like it. Okay. So now that we've given our top six, we have our sort of final four college football playoff bracket set up. I'll let you kick this one off, Zach. Who do you have winning your semifinal matchups? Uh, I got Alabama rolling over uh, USC and then Oklahoma beating Clemson. Okay. Mike, what about you? So I got Alabama playing Ohio State. I think Bama takes that one, although I think that turns into a relatively close game. And unfortunately, I have Clemson over Oklahoma to set up what everybody doesn't want to see. But, you know, I think that Clemson is just a better team. And until I see Oklahoma play defense, I'm never going to pick them to win a playoff game. Uh, If we get – if we get Alabama Clemson like 44, 
<laughs> like, oh, God. I mean, it'll probably be a great game, but we've also seen them ad- additions of that where one team blew out the other. So, like, I'm yeah. no offense. I'm all set on that. If it happens, it happens. I'm still going to watch because I love the game. But, man, that, that would be just like, ah, here we go again. Golden State, Cleveland, NBA Finals, who you got? Yeah. Ugh. Um, That's about Super Bowl, who you got? I'm just kidding. Sir. <laughs> sir. Uh, so in my semifinal matchups, I've got Georgia in a rematch with Texas A&M from the SEC championship game. And I think Georgia wins the rematch as well. And then I actually like Oklahoma to beat Ohio State. I just think it'll be a shootout. And I think in a game of shootouts, you have to go with who's got the most firepower on offense. And in this case, it's Oklahoma. So I like Oklahoma in a shootout over the Buckeyes. Which means we're down to our national championship games. I have Georgia taking on Oklahoma. It's both teams would be undefeated. The presumptive Heisman favorite Spencer Rattler against potential Heisman candidate JT Daniels. And I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs. I think this is where Mike's whole Oklahoma just doesn't have enough defense. We'll finally break them. And I think Georgia will win a tight contest. It'll be close, but I think Georgia wins it by 10 points in the conference uh, national championship. Zach, national champion, who you got? Oh, no. Let's get spicy. Spencer Rattler and the Boomer Sooner take down the Tide, win national championship. I know they got no defense, just score a billion points and pray for a turnover at the end of the game. Spencer Rattler all day, ride with them. Ride or die. Rah, rah, rah. Love it. All right, Mike, in part 39 of Alabama Clemson, <laughs> who do you have? Yeah, you know, I went out on a real fucking limb with this prediction. Uh, you know, I, it, it's we've seen it a million times before. It's like you said, we've seen close ones. We've seen blowouts. Truly, I think Uyagalele, I finally said the name, the actual man. Will look better than Bryce Young over the majority of this year. I think schedule will play a factor in that, and I think his experience will play a factor in that as well. Um, both teams have great quarterbacks. Both teams have great coaches. Both teams have a tradition of running the table in the college football playoff. But at the end of the day, one team is coached by Dabo Sweeney, and the other one is coached by Nick Saban. And Nick Saban is better than Dabo Sweeney. The Tide are going to roll over Clemson just like they did uh, the last time they played. Give me Alabama, national champions, once again. All right. Well, at least we got three different national champions. At least we didn't all go the same route. So I'm glad we got some parity in this pod, uh, to say the least. But uh, I think that's going to do it. I am Ryan Brown, and we will see you next time.